to be grateful for. Because I understand and know it's not a cliche that there's none like you, oh God. There's none like you, oh God. Hallelujah. There's none like you, nor will there ever be none like you.
bring three new elders into the faith and, and send them on their way. We told them, roll up your sleeves because it's work time. Hallelujah. It's not the harvest that's lacking. It's the laborers. So we thank God for those three that responded to the call of God. And for everything that transpired this week, we uh, thank you for your prayers. And I encourage you, plan for next year. Yeah. I know that there are a lot of people absent today. You may be watching. I know some are away on vacation. Some are still in uh, COVID recess. And that's fine. You're watching online. That's beautiful. But there's nothing like being it's in the right. presence of your brothers and sisters in the fellowship of holiness. And I encourage you, set your schedule for next year. You do not want to miss what is going to happen. God is always doing something and yes. blowing our minds. Yes. Next year in July, uh, the week of the, uh, of the 21st of July, that week we will be in Detroit uh, again uh, celebrating God there in I believe it's the Southfield section of Detroit where uh, one of our pastors Bishop Celestine Todd uh, has a ministry and will be hosting convocation this year we're excited about it just want to encourage the women we have uh, our uh, holy um, women's conference being held here this year in October. So all the women uh, in all the churches in Greater Emmanuel will come together and celebrate God here in our house. So I'm encouraging, I'll, I'll give you more details about the dates and things like that as they are made available. Uh, but we, are, we will be here this year and we are excited about what God is going to do. Amen? Hallelujah. How many of you came to hear a word from the Lord? Hallelujah. Well, I, I thank the Lord for your coming, and I'm going to give you what God has impressed upon my heart. I want you to look at your neighbor and just tell your neighbor, we, we talk to each other in here. For those that don't know, this might be your first time, we, we like to talk to each other in here, amen? amen. So look at your neighbor and just tell your neighbor that there is a seed planted deep in you that's trying to grow. It's important for us as the people of God to understand when we go to the Word of God, there is a matter in which we need to approach it. The most important element of your understanding of scripture is that it's not just words on a page right. but it is something that is alive that is living now it's relevant now just as much as it was when it was written Amen. it's not just a compilation of stories that just happened in the past but it is something that is happening right now so when I go to the Word of God, I'm not really going to the Word of God to find out what it has said past tense. I'm looking to see what it is saying present tense because he that is the Word is not past, he is not future, he's not even present, he's just right now. I'm going to the Word of God to find a right now solution to my right now crisis. When I look at the story of David versus Goliath, it's a, it's a good story. I, I like the story. It's a you know the, the story that they build movies off of now. Uh, but in in truth, it really doesn't do much for me if I'm only reading it as something that occurred in the life of David, a success in the life of David. What I have to understand is that when I read it, I can put myself in the frame of David and understand that every Goliath that I face. God will give me the power to overcome it. Understanding that the story, even in and of itself, is not really about the stones or you know anything that David did. It's about what God did in the slaying of the giant that he faced. Uh -huh. Hallelujah. It's important that we understand this. When I read about the woman with the issue of blood, it's a good story, but it really doesn't do much for me unless I know that when I am afflicted in my body, 
the same hem that she touched is the same hem that I can touch and be made whole. It's because the word of God is alive. I understand that every time I read it, it ministers to me differently depending upon the current condition or crisis or chaos that I'm facing. The Bible declares that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word which is proceeding out of the mouth of God. The Bible is still speaking. Understanding the true meaning of Deuteronomy 8 and 3 is that man is living on what is proceeding or currently coming out of the mouth of God. From the, the Hebrew words, kalmosa, which is uh, actually two words, cow, uh, a verb meaning to make complete or to perfect and mosa, which is a, not a drink, it's a noun, meaning the act of going out. So the word comes from the verb yatsa, meaning to go forth. So we see then that the word is still moving out of the mouth of God to complete a thing that he is sending it to. It's not just said once, but it is still speaking right now. Amen. And since that word is been planted in me by the indwelling of the Holy Ghost and it is proceeding out of my mouth it doesn't come out dead Amen. it comes out full of life full of power full of authority it comes out of me with a purpose to accomplish the very thing whereto I send it. This is why I tell you all the time, be careful what you say. Because when you release words into the atmosphere over your life or somebody else's life, those words have to go out and accomplish what you have sent them out to accomplish. Now I want you to take these next two words and write them down somewhere. I want you to look at these and study these words later. The first word is chaos. Chaos is defined as a state of utter confusion or disorder, a total lack of organization. The second word I want you to write down is seed. Seed is defined as the propagative or reproductive source of any thing. Everything has a seed that's planted to reproduce after its own kind. Amen. In the Bible, in the book of Genesis, the first chapter, at the first verse, it declares in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. I want you to understand something. God wants to see himself reflected in his creation. Amen. God did not move over the face of the dirt because he can't see himself where there is no reflection. But rather he moves over the face of the water because the water allows him to see a reflection of himself. Amen. It serves no purpose to be God and nobody know about it. Creation itself is in a state of chaos, but it's in a state of chaos by design. You see, chaos is a part of God's creation. We talk about what took place between day one and day two of creation in the Bible, and we find, uh, I really don't have the time to go over that right now, but we find that you should never uh, miss what God is doing. Looking at the things around you, you will see that uh, nothing left to itself ever will move to a state of order or organization. But it moves towards chaos or disorder. I remember my, my wife, we were, we, we've grown up together. Hallelujah. I thank God for her. And there was a time in my youth when we were just dating where she would come to the house and she would clean my room for me. Because she's such a sweet woman. She would clean my room, straighten it up for me, because I was a little bit of a messy fellow. Amen. I was dirty. I was just messy. It, it was it was what I call organized chaos. I knew where the good stuff was and where the bad stuff was. Amen. But she would come in, she'd straighten it up, and, and she would go about her way. And it wasn't soon after, because everything moves back to disorder, that room needed another visitation from Lady Stephanie. 
You'll find it in life. If you watch children, children left to themselves do not move towards order. They move towards mischief. This is why companies create child safe products because children always move towards mischief. I don't know if anyone's ever owned property, but if you ever own property, you will find grass does not cut itself. Grass will grow even to the point where it chokes itself out until somebody comes along and cuts it. God has built chaos into the universe. This is done to show that order is not random. Order is purposeful. Order doesn't just happen. It has to be some intelligence behind order to cause order in the middle of chaos. We look at the city of Columbus right now. The city of Columbus right now looks like it's in uh, mass chaos. People are killing each other, shooting each other almost every single day. It doesn't matter. You look at our political leaders and it looks like none of them, even within the same political party, can get along with each other. Everything seems like it's in chaos. And this in turn allows us to come to the realization that something of a lesser order cannot move or organize itself into a higher order. So when you see order, you are able to surmise that force has been exercised over chaos. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, force is in me. So when I look at myself, I see an organism of functioning, organized molecules working together and in precision. I understand then I did not just occur or come to being randomly or by accident, but there was a force enacted upon chaos which gave birth to me. So this drives you to search out the source behind the force. I'm reminded that man is an ordered being. Man is not a beast of the field, which is all flesh and no spirit. Man is not an angel, which is all spirit and no flesh. Man is a being that actually lives in two distinct realms and as a class of being is greater than the beast of the field and even greater than the angels. Psalm 8, 3 through 5 is when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Now how it, it written is not actually the full translation. The true translation from the Hebrew text mean Elohim meaning taken right out of God or just under God. Man is described in the text as mean Elohim or something that is taken out of God. When you're reminded about the meeting that God had in the beginning before the foundation of the world, you find that in the counsel of himself, he determined that man would be a reflection of him and that he placed upon man not just his image, but he breathed his spirit into man so that man would be like no other creation that has been made. We are right out of God. He held this counsel. He decided that he was going to make something in the order of creation that would be greater than everything else that had been created. And God does this for a reason. You have to understand worship to fully understand what God is doing. Because if I'm going to worship anything, I must find something to worship that is greater than myself. I must find the source of the force that brought order to my molecules and brought me into being. I, I, I bow down, but I worship up. I can't worship the beast of the field. I can't worship the stars, the sun, and the moon. I can't worship even the angels because in the order of creation, they are less than I. I am higher than those things. I can't worship man because man is on the same level as me. So when I 
Since worship goes up, all I see is what is higher than me, and that is God Himself. Chaos then has been made as the default position in creation. So wherever there is chaos, I see that there has been no force enacted to bring order. So if there has been no force enacted upon it, then someone who's in charge has been derelict in their duty to exercise force and bring order to the chaos that we see. The church is wording, waiting for the political structure to fix our cultural and our economic and our social problems when the world itself is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God because only the people of God can fix what is going on in the world through the power of God dwelling in them. We are the agents or the ambassadors of God. We bring God's power to bear. We bring God's word to bear. We bring God's wisdom to bear. We bring God's prowess to bear in every situation we enter in. So when God made man from the dust of the earth, he could not see his reflection. His reflection wasn't being reproduced. The reflection of God begun its reproduction at the moment God breathed into the nostrils of man the breath of life. In doing this, this allows the seed of God to be planted in man. The seed of God has been planted in man. You ought to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor that seed in you is the seed of God. Now the word declares that when God breathed into the nostrils of man, it was at this moment that man becomes a living soul. When you look at all the rest of creation, when he created the animals and and, uh, sent them on their way, when they were created, they were alive. The only thing that was created by God that lacked life was man. Understand, man did not come to do, man came to be. God calls us to be strong. He never tells you to get strong. God tells us to be holy. He does not tell us to get holy. So man has come to be. God took man and put him in the place of order. So the first conversation with man, uh, between man and God, is about dominion. It's important to follow the order of the conversation because when you are out of order, then the default position of creation must return in your life. Sometimes chaos is a reminder that things in your life are out of order. Genesis 1, 26-28 says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he there. And then God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So this first conversation with man is about order. God tells man to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. Having dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and the beasts of the field, and all that there is in creation. So there's a difference between what we have dominion over and what we must subdue. You see, dominion is about authority. But to subdue a thing requires the enactment of force upon the thing to which is being subdued. So what happened in the garden was man lost his power to enact force upon chaos and chaos invades the first family. Adam did not follow the order or the steps or the plan of God so the default position of creation was established and chaos 
entered in, God told Adam to be fruitful first. But instead of Adam uh, being fruitful, Adam multiplied. And because he was out of order or in a state of chaos, his multiplying ended up multiplying his chaos instead of multiplying his fruitfulness. You see, the seed in the thing has to reproduce after its kind. So when there is disorder, the disorder is what will be reproduced by the seed in you. You have to understand your fruitfulness is based upon your faithfulness. So we see Adam fails in his faithfulness to God. And when he sinned, and this causes a chain reaction, it affected his ability to be fruitful. It was God's intention for man to be fruitful first, then to multiply that, fruitful, that fruitfulness, so that together with their fruitfulness, they could subdue the earth or bring order into chaos. God said, and let them have dominion. So this is not a one-man show, but if we ever come together and interlock ourselves, we can take the gifts that we have each been given and work them together and subdue the chaos that is in existence in this city, in our families, in our culture, in our society, even in our lives. This is why the enemy enjoys the fact that many of us won't come back to the house of God because of our, our COVID recess, as I call it. We won't come back to the house of God. The enemy will give you every excuse not to come back into the house of God. Oh, uh, don't you watch the news? The numbers are going back up. We have to be careful. I'm just crazy enough to believe that when we come together in the presence of God with the right mind and the right spirit, there's no disease, there's no pestilence, there's nothing that the enemy can do that can harm us. Somebody ought to give God the praise. If we're the express image of God, then we must understand that we are free entities in one manifestation. That's right. We talked about this in Bible study. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. If we are the reflection of the seed of God that's in us, we are the expression of the manifestation of the full three parts of God. God was not part Father, part Son, and part Holy Ghost. He was all Father, all Son, and all Holy Ghost. We must then emulate from our own DNA the very genome of our existence in God the Father, in God the Son, and in God the Holy Ghost. We have to understand that it is the working together of these three parts uh, or the unity of the three that allows it to become one. So each knowing its specific function and thereby glorifying each of the parts and ending the, the domination of chaos in its atmosphere. You have to understand that God created us in a manner to interact or reflect not just Him, but to have relationship at not one level, but every level. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. When you've been with somebody a long time, you can finish their sentences. As a matter of fact, when you've been with somebody long enough, you don't even really have to verbally communicate to know what the other one is thinking. All you need to do is look. Why? Because you're not just connected externally, but you're connected internally. You're connected intimately. You're connected psychologically. You're connected in ways that we cannot even yet comprehend. Because it is the full working of our creation standing in unity to bring forth glory for the Lord. Now the seed of a thing has to reproduce after its kind. I don't care. We just planted some watermelon seeds. And I promise you, oranges will not grow from the watermelon seeds. If oranges grow from the watermelon seeds, then I mistag the seed 
when I planted it. A watermelon seed produces watermelon. The seed of a thing reproduces after its kind. If the seed of the creator dwells in you, and you have to understand that it does, then you must reproduce not after your kind, but after the God kind. The reason it is not you that liveth, but Jesus who lives in you is because the very breath of God is returning you to order just as he did in the beginning. So what you plant in yourself or seed yourself with will reproduce after its kind. This is why I tell the church, you may be grown. This is typically what youth tell their parents or people that are older than them that are trying to tell them don't do this or don't go there or don't be a part of this or don't listen to that. I'm grown. I'm an adult now. I've hit the magic age of 18 or the magic age of 21. So now the world is my oyster. God calls the young because they're strong. <laughs> but they don't know where they're going. So God called the old. Why? Because we know the way. We've been where you are going. We've dealt with what you're getting ready to deal with. You don't have to endure the hardship that we've had to endure. If you just listen. Whatever you plant in yourself. Why do you think the world is so pushed towards sexualizing everything that's going on? You can't even watch a commercial that's not sexualized in some way. Because they're trying to implant a seed, a thought in you that will gestate and reproduce. So then you begin to think that sexual things are simply okay outside of the framework or the context of scriptural direction. Chaos is trying to return. This is why Jesus lives in us. To bring order back to us. Because what you plant in yourself reproduces after its own kind. Jesus said, I'm going to go hang on a tree and he, and he that eats of me shall be translated from death into life because Jesus is life. So Jesus dies on the tree. Then the centurion pierces him in the side and blood and water flows. Any woman who has given birth will tell you that from the birthing canal blood and water will flow coupled with the birthing of the manifestation of the seed that was planted on the inside of her with gestated for nine months and now has come to his expected time. When Jesus was pierced in the side and the blood and water flowed, it was the symbol of the rebirth of the image of God. We lost the image of God when Adam fell. But the moment that Jesus hung his head, God took what was once ours and re-implanted it on us so that we could yet again reflect him. How can one be born again? The Bible declares by the water and by the blood. God is bringing order back into our chaos and retiring us to a place where we are able to subdue chaos in the authority he intended from the beginning. It's high time for the church to get about our father's business. It's high time for the church to remember the purpose for which we gather. To never forget what God has done. To stop thinking so me-centric and start thinking and seeing life through a God-centered focus. Start engaging life not by what I can get out of it, but what I can give to it. Because I am life. The world is dying and is looking for so 
stick on the chest of somebody. Some of you are walking spiritual defibrillators. And there are people laying on the ground in our society that are waiting for you to lay your hands on them and shock them back to life. Because in you is dominion. In you is power. In you is authority. Because in you is the seed of God. coming into the church and hide. We keep coming into the church. We stay here for a little bit. We do our little dance. We listen to some little words. Then we run back over to our little igloos. And we stay there until in the service. God brought you here to fill you. Not for you to take it home and store it. He brought you to fill you with something that the world needs. Each of you has the ability to implant seed in the culture that God has placed you in. There are people that you know that you have relationship with that I will never know. But you know me. So you've come and you've heard the word of God. God's intention is for you to take what you've heard and go plant it. All you are are planters. God has brought you here to give you some seed so you can take it and plant it. You want to see your family change? Start planting the seed of God in your family. You want to see your children's lives change? Plant the seed of God in your children. You want to see your friends change? Plant the seed of God in your friends. And your friends will either change or they will get away from you. Then you'll realize they weren't your friends in the first place. We as the children of God have to remember that what we sow into ourselves it will reproduce after its kind. If you're going to sow everything you see in the news into you, you're going to find yourself depressed before it's all said and done. If you sow into you all the murder that's going on in this city, you're going to find yourself afraid to go anywhere for fear that you become an unintended target of a bullet that's flying in the air looking to strike something. I saw in me the word of life. And I believe to live for God is great. But Paul said to die for God is gain. So I'm not afraid of death. Because for me, I've already died. I've already been buried. And now, I have arisen with him. The life I now live, I live by the power of God dwelling on the inside of me. So I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of the grave. Because for me, that is just a transitioning point from this temporal, finite existence into the eternal and the infinite of God. I step out of time right now. I'm just working in the construct of time. But there's coming a day when all of us are going to step out of time. And we're going to have to determine in this time where our eternity is going to be. You're either going to spend eternity with God. Or you're going to spend it separated with God. Hallelujah. The choice is yours. You have free will. I tell you today, choose wisely. You want to stop struggling? Watch what you're planting. You want to see something different in life? Sow something different in your life. 
according to your knowledge something different. Man will even tell you. For you to want change and see change, it requires you to do something different. But it is insanity to expect something different while doing the same thing. Nothing different will happen if you do not change what you are doing. Change what you're seeing. Change what you're hearing. Change what you're feeling. Change what you're thinking. Change. Align yourself with the truth of the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm excited about the seed of God in me. Hallelujah. Because I know, I know that if I can go all the way to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and preach the gospel and people who don't know what's going on come walking down the street and come into the church to figure out this isn't the normal day y'all have service. And just see about what's happening. They didn't wake up that day with the intention of running in Jesus. But if God can save in Pittsburgh, PA, He sure enough can save them in Columbus, Ohio. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that those doors are open for those who are seeking soul and I believe God will flow into the church them that should be saved hallelujah I've preached in front of a lot of people and I've preached in front of no people and I've preached the exact same way it didn't matter whether it was thousands or it was just my wife and our two boys when they were too little to even understand what I was saying. My first church member. Hallelujah. It didn't matter. I gave them the word of God because that is the only thing that is going to last. The Bible declares that the earth and the heavens will pass away. But there's something about the name of Jesus. There's something about that name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I encourage you today. I know everything looks crazy, but I encourage you. You can be the beacon of light in every circle you are in. If you allow the seed of God in you, to reproduce after its kind. Yeah. To allow the seed of God in you to reproduce after its kind. You will change your environment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look to the Lord Father. We glorify your name. We bless your holy name. There is none like you. There is none like you. You are the one only. Matter of fact, you are so unique, there was no more. You just were. Your word declares you've always been. You are now. And you will always be. You are the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. Nothing was before you. And nothing shall be after you. We honor you with our lips. We worship you with our heart. Father, if anything be in us that is not like you, Turn up the soil of our mind. 
turn up the soil of our heart and remove that seed. Shake the dirt and sow back into it your seed of life. That it would bring up in us a harvest of you. That we would engage life not through the power of our humanity, of our Adamic nature, but we would interact with life through the power of our rebirth. Because the seed of God in us is springing forth into a great harvest so that we would speak the chaos and order would be established. We would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. We would command the even demonic forces that are pitted against us and they would flee. For all shall bend knee. All shall confess with their mouths that you are Lord. Father, as you are bringing order back into existence in us, allow us to be agents of order that everywhere we step our feet, order would be established. That when we walk into our home, order would be established. When we walk into our jobs, order would be established. When we visit in the hospital, order would be established. When we go to schoolhouse, order would be established. When we go into the courthouse, order would be established. When we walk down the city streets, order would be established. We thank you now for your power and your grace. Father, if there's anything resting upon the hearts of your people, they're dealing with issues of life, with conditions in body, whether it be mental or physical. For you, the God that heals, heal now. Bring deliverance now. Break the addiction now. In the name of Jesus, Satan, Lord, rebuke me. Your scheme, every device, your strategy, every weapon of the enemy shall not prosper. So we thank you for victory. We thank you for victory. We thank you for victory. Hallelujah. Lead us at the point of our need. Minister your grace to us. Speak to our hearts. Allow us to hear your word. Allow us to see the steps you have ordered for us. Give us the courage to walk in those steps. Understand that you are there with us the entirety of the journey. Never leaving us nor forsaking us. Father, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Now take us into this week as the giant killers that we are. Use us for your glory. Let us come back together with a word in our mouth, a testimony of how you used us, how lives were changed. We might be excited to go back out. Your word declares it's not the harvest that's lacking. It is the laborers. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers. Father, now I speak to the earth and I command it to let go of that which is assigned to this world. Bring them in, Father, in the name of Jesus, that they would stand with me together. We would go forth and change this.
We thank God for you. And we long to see you at the next time. Enjoy your Sunday. Hallelujah.